everybody, I'm Kyle, he's Derek, and this is the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. And we are your two favorite handsome go-lucky youth pastors who are giving this podcast thing their very best that, shot. That is absolutely us. You know, I don't know why, but whenever I hear the word handsome, one of the things that comes to my mind is... Uh, Me. Yes. Thank Absolutely. you, Kyle. Thank that you is, for saying that. How did you that. know what I was going to say? You know what? We just finished each other's sentences. Wow. No, it's a... Now I'm blanking on the title of the book. Um, Daisy Buchanan, uh, Great Gatsby. That's what it is. That's, for some reason, Great Gatsby is... That's Scott Fitzgerald, not Tim, right? Yep. That cool. for, that's that's what I think of uh, <laughs> when I think of handsome. But we're not talk, here to talk about how handsome we are, because that would be... A, a real, short podcast. A really short episode. <laughs> Oh no! Anyways, oh. Kyle, I have a question for you today. Oh, anything about anything other than handsomeness and yes, our looks, just our lack of good which, looks. which is funny because this is a audio podcast which has no bearing with physical appearance. So that's probably Derek, a good thing that if I could give you any compliment in the world, it would be that you have a face for radio. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> well, Kyle, I want to ask you something now that we're getting into this thing. I want to know a little bit more about you. I obviously know you super, super well, but our listeners might not, except for your mom, who hopefully downloads our podcast. So the one listener we have knows me already. Amen. But Amen. The Kyle, off chance there's a second. What do you like to do in your free time? What are some of your favorite hobbies? What do I like to do in my free time? I love sports. Uh, I played almost every sport except for hockey uh, and wrestling when I was growing up. And the hockey one was mostly because I can't skate, which is embarrassing coming from that would do it. the state of hockey, Minnesota. Um, but, you know, it, we're, I have no balance whatsoever. So I never played hockey, but I love football, uh, love basketball, love baseball. Going to a baseball game on a beautiful summer day, mm. man, there's little better than that but i coach football uh here one of the one of the high schools i'm a part of the staff and so i just spent seven hours today uh on the football field with players before i came here to record this episode and so that's one of my hobbies for sure one of my passions i love music love playing music and cooking i i cook most of most of the meals uh that my wife and i eat when we're not eating chipotle and so I, like what do you make like tombstone pizza chicken nuggets i pizza love rolls. making pizza rolls i love making heggie's pizzas <laughs> i love a dude i can make a mean pb and j sandwich mm. uh no i i love lasagna i love anything on the grill um Meat. probably my my lasagna let me rephrase that my mom's lasagna that i know how to make Yep. is uh is one of one of my best meals that i make the other one would be uh my mom's chicken wild rice soup recipe that is it's so good listen it's it's good when you make it but it's one of those meals that is even better as leftovers oh yeah oh you reheat it and you're so like good. man this is better the second time absolutely it's so good but what about you Derek? what are some of your hobbies I like you. I have a lot. I will say music is not one of mine. Oh, come on. My wife is one of the most talented people I know musically and no offense to you, Kyle, but she is awesome. And no, so fair. in our marriage, like she's got 100% of that and I contribute zero. 
I can't sing. I can't hold a tune. I I've have no rhythm. I've seen Derek in a church service, and I actually think the angels start praising when he actually claps on two and four. You know, I think that is correct. I appreciate you saying that because it <laughs> happens so seldomly that it is it is a historic event. But um, I also love sports, anything sports. It really doesn't matter. Um, like the Olympics are my jam. I love watching the Olympics. NFL football is coming back. It is officially back now. Praise the Lord. That is awesome. And uh, I also just love uh, hunting. I was telling Kyle this earlier. You always get those weird questions that are icebreakers of like, if you could only do one thing the rest of your life, what would it be? Duck hunting would definitely be mine. Yeah, that's weird. I love every single part of it. I got a dog a year and a half ago. And so for the last really year or so, I've been grinding out in the sun getting him tuned up trained up ready to go for this season um dude i just love everything about duck hunting and uh i would do it every day if i could gross actually honestly i'd love i've never been hunting and i'd like to go but it would have to be you've never been hunting See, ever. here's the deal is like no one in my family ever hunted and so i never did that growing up but i i'm kind of in a catch 22 when it comes to hunting because I don't want to sit deer hunting wet and cold in a tree. That's fair. But if I was duck hunting, the targets are a lot smaller. Yes. And so, like, I feel like I could hit a deer. I'm not confident I could hit something smaller than a deer. So, I'm not really sure. I'll have to brainstorm what exactly my prime hunting fix would be and we'll, then we'll, we'll have to go bear we'll get you a bear hunt. that sounds terrifying <laughs> um but anyways enough about my lack of hunting capabilities uh no today we are talking about social media uh america's greatest and least great invention all in one um social media can be great it's great to stay connected social media can be the worst and yeah. so today we are going to dive into uh some specific formats uh some specific types of social media and some ways that we can use them in ministry as well as some ways for parents and youth students uh to use them well or not use them at all yeah and that is truly it because social media at this point has become an all-encompassing thing where it seems as if it's taken over the world i mean almost everybody's using it from the age of you're old enough to type on a phone until Man, we have grandparents who are on Facebook. You and... have grandparents on Facebook. Actually, my grandpa is on Facebook. My yeah. grandma was really excited because she just got a new corded phone on their kitchen wall. A new, <laughs> so a new corded phone moving yep. up. It in had the a world. longer cord, so she could actually take it out and talk on wow. the back deck. How old it. is your grandma? Uh, I eighty. Okay, two. You know, it's the small things in life that we get excited about, you know. But I, I feel like as, as we intro this social media thing in general, wherever you're at right now, because we have a pretty diverse audience from what I know of listeners. We have some people in here who are fellow youth pastors or in ministry to some capacity. We have some people who are parents. We have some people who are students of ours or former students of ours. And so wherever you're at, I think there is good stuff in this episode about social media in general, because we want to just kind of funnel this in and just start broad of social media in general of like, why, like, what is even the purpose of social media at this point? Why do we use this platform so much? Yep. And there's two really big, 
uh, you know, baselines when we're talking about social media here. Uh, the, especially the first one is for churches and for you know people in ministry to to have a purpose behind what you're doing. Uh, you know, whether that is, hey, I want to post on social media because I want to tell the story of our students or I want to tell the story of our church. Maybe you want to post on social media because you want to connect with, uh, with people in your church. Or maybe you want to post on social media uh, just to post on social media. I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, you know, if you're just looking for clicks and likes and engagement, that's usually bad news. That's usually bad news. Uh, but knowing who your target audience is, knowing who, why you're posting, especially in ministry, uh, can, can go a long way toward raising the quality, uh, of your content that you're posting. And then the other thing too, is, you know, there's, there's plenty of stuff on social media. Uh, my wife is an architect and so she went to the university of Minnesota and took a lot of classes about design and different things. And one of her classes talked about how social media has created uh, digital pollution. Yep. Everybody can be a content creator. Everybody can make a graphic or take a photo and post it on Facebook or Instagram or wherever they can make a video and put it somewhere. There's so much out there. And so, and there's a lot of people, there are a lot of churches, there are a lot of students that do social media really well. Don't be them. No, you got to be you. And that is really where I think you have to really draw the line, whether it's as a personal use or especially in ministry. One word that comes to mind for me is intentionality. You have to be so intentional or intentional. There it is. Not intentional. You have to be so intentional about what you post, where you post it, and when you post it. Because if you are just doing it for the sake of doing it, if you're just going through the motions you're not going to get anything out of it. And if anything, you're only going to deter and take away from the good stuff you want to post because as I was telling Kyle in a different conversation at some point, I have certain people on my feed who post upwards of three to sometimes like five times a day, every single day. Who has time for that? I mean, we do. We're youth pastors. That's true. We don't do anything else. (laughs) Uh, We always make that joke. We were so bored, we started a podcast. Amen. Amen, dude. But, you know, it's one of those deals of sometimes when those type of people post, I almost will skim the first sentence or two because otherwise they go into long paragraphs and I'm like... You're just telling me about your breakfast and the and the blue jay <laughs> that blew pa- or flew past your window for the second time this week. Like I'm gonna ignore that. And so it's the same thing with church stuff. If you just post generic stuff, if you aren't intentional about what you're doing with your social media presence, in some ways you're gonna lose followers. You're gonna lose attractability just because oh, people don't sure. want to know what's going on. They're used to it. Yep. And so uh, we're going to dive into some specific platforms uh, for social media here, and we'll kind of talk about them all uh, real quick from a a ministry perspective, from a parent or a student perspective. And the first one is uh, is the big one. It's the uh, the giant that's been around MySpace. Uh, no. <laughs> MySpace. What a great oh, thing. MySpace um, is dead. Yeah. No, we're going to talk about Facebook. And from a ministry perspective, one of the things that has become almost, I mean, 95% true at this point is that there's no students on Facebook. I think, you know, there might be a handful of, of our students that are on Facebook. And so when I use Facebook from a ministry perspective, you know, for me, I'm, I'm posting with parents in mind and, and parents as my target audience 
I, I've sometimes used it if we're coming back from camp or, or like a youth convention or conference or something. I will post on our youth Facebook page, hey, here's our, our ETA so that parents know when to pick their kids up uh, from the church. We have mission teams that we send out and we'll use Facebook for uh, you know, mission teams to, to give parents proof of life while we're there. Amen. And Hey, here's a picture of what our team was able to do today, just to help parents stay really connected. And I'll post links to, you know, have parents sign up for events. They're usually the ones that are signing up for things, uh, especially if there's money involved, not their kids. And so if I can get that link in front of parents, that's usually a good thing. But it, Derek, is there anything else like, uh, thinking from a ministry perspective yeah. uh, that, that you use Facebook for. Yeah, so I actually just pulled up a graph of demographics of users on Facebook in 2021, as of July of 2021. Is this like your page or no, all Facebook No, th- this users? is all Facebook, Facebook in general. And the top demographic is women ages 35 to 39. Incorrect, actually. Ah, man. Th- this actually surprised me, but it also goes along with your point. The highest distribution of Facebook users worldwide as of July 2021 is males between 25 and 34 at 18.8%. That's us. That is us. But here's what's crazy. They don't obviously have anything below 13 because I think you technically need to be 13 or above to be on social media, even though we have 10-year-olds who, you know. You just check the box that say, hey, I'm 13. Right. Yeah, exactly. But here's what's crazy. 2.5% 2.5% females between ages 13 and 17, 3.3% males 13 to 17. Yeah, so so right. you're looking at 5.8% of all of Facebook is the age of our students. 5% mm-hmm. of all of Facebook users are the age of our students. And I think that is so critical when you're looking at how you're utilizing Facebook because in some ways there are things you want to communicate to parents that either the students don't care about or they don't need to know you know there uh, we all we've all been on camps and stuff of what are we doing today what are we gonna do tomorrow what are, you know and, and as a youth pastor it's it's entertaining for the first couple of minutes and we'll then get there when we get there exactly and so i feel like you have to understand that so much as a youth pastor is about communication you need to be communicating always because if you're not communicating there there's there's miscommunication there's misinterpretation all that stuff and so facebook is a great way to just especially if you are a larger ministry or you are taking as you mentioned a group of kids and you don't want to text 45 different parents and divorce mm-hmm. parents and so then I, now you got 90 text messages going out just saying we're going to be back at the church at one o'clock facebook is such a great way to do that and it's yep. also a great on-ramp for people who might be checking out your church that are of that older generation. Um, you know, so Kyle and I differ a little bit. I My role at my church is a little bit more um, of a utility tool. I do a lot of stuff, as does he, um, with big service stuff. And so very rarely will I use Facebook within my youth ministry. However, we use Facebook a lot when we're trying to attract to our Sunday morning service because we're catering to the demographic of the parents, the grandparents that of these kids. And it's just a great on-ramp for those because those are the ones that are using it. Yep. Um, I think that's it on Facebook. Honestly, some of these other ones are a little bit more fun to talk about. For instance, 
Instagram, uh, where Facebook is mostly parents. I think that Instagram, uh, you know, for our youth account, Instagram, the primary audience that we have is our youth students. Um, you know, I, I love to use Instagram to tell stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's kids love seeing themselves on other people's social medias. And so in order to like, I love posting our pictures that we took of our students. That is like 99% of what we post on Instagram or, you know, videos on, on the Instagram stories. Um, and, and that's, uh, another important distinction is the Instagram feed versus the Instagram stories. Same thing on Facebook, but you know, there, there's a difference between, in how you can use those two. For instance, the feed, like I'll use, I'll use Instagram's feed for highlights, whereas yeah. I'll, you know, we'll use the stories for more of like the behind the scenes or some fun games. Like both you and I did some fun stuff with Instagram stories during yeah. quarantine when we're trying to think of how to engage ways. students and yeah, how do we do ministry in a pandemic? This is weird. And we used Instagram stories to do some tournaments that the kids could vote on. And it was just, it was really fun. Yeah. And I'll, I'll kind of dive into that a little bit. Uh, why, why that is, uh, if you, we're going to get, try and get super critical here and super intentional because believe it or not, Kyle and I joke a lot, but we do try to be very intentional with almost every single thing we do within our youth ministries. And if you think about Instagram, if you're, if you envision on your phone right now, when I go to Instagram, almost always I will start tapping through stories before I start scrolling up and down to go yep. through different feeds because one, it's at the very top of your screen. So it just, that's where your eyes automatically go Two, you know, it's recent updated, fresh content that just got put out. And yep. so naturally you want to see that and Instagram is smart. And so they have their algorithms where they will, if, if you start like interacting with certain accounts and you start following and commenting and doing all this stuff, they're naturally going to put those in front of you. And so when you think about that from a ministry perspective, kids might miss the banner that says, Hey, we have a big event happening in two weeks they're probably not, they might not even see that because they're not scrolling up and down but you know if, if you're at camp and you've been promoting camp on your feed for a long time and all of a sudden you just say i'm going to story this crazy game they're going to see that crazy game and go what the heck is that click on our account and all of a sudden now there's our all of our posts where they see youth camp is leaving on monday and all of a sudden boom now they're hooked and so yeah. you know we're going to dive into this i think a little bit more but you know, Kyle had mentioned that stories are really good for behind the scenes because it's fresh. It's happening right here in the moment. And even if somebody is not physically there in the room with you, by looking at a story of something that's happening, in some ways, they can be. In some ways, they feel like they're a part of what's happening and it's, it's, it engages them. Yeah, and kids have incredible FOMO and we want to leverage that to manipulate them. Um, <laughs> Amen. We're cruel. But, I mean, honestly, kind of. It's you know, if if you can take you know photos and videos of an event that you do next year, if you do it again, now you have all of this promotional material yep. that you can use to put in front of students and say, "Hey, this is here. Here's kind of a glimpse into this event." Literally, it's funny you say that. This is not planned out because last year For I did youth a pastors. None of this is planned out, <laughs> right? Last year, we did this big event at the end of the summer where we get a huge tarp. You guys can probably fill in the gaps, soap, water, slip and slide, dodgeball, all that good stuff. 
today I was making a graphic for that same event that's coming up in two weeks for us. And instead of having just a generic background and making all these cool fonts, I had some good pictures and videos that I took stills of and put that. So now when I put out my promo, for one, those kids who are in the promo are going, hey, that's me. And naturally they're going to want to share it because they're going to say, hey, look at me. But it also just, as you're mentioning, creates that personability. You know, when you walk into or you look at an advertisement and you're like, hey, I know that person, it makes it seem much more real than stage and photoshopped and all that other stuff that goes along yeah. with it. And so, you know, it's you, you've highlighted a few times just the importance and the value of using your pictures and posting your content because it just it, mm-hmm. it really tells the story of your ministry so, so well. Yeah, and kids don't often care about the quality of the photo if it's your photo. I mean, if it's like the most grainy thing in the world, then maybe maybe upgrade from an iPhone 2 to an iPhone 3. But uh, <laughs> Do they even make those Dude, anymore? if anybody is still running around out there with an iPhone 2, I want to know. They should email us and we'll send them a $5 care gift card or something. There you go. But I want some pretty solid proof yeah. that you still have this phone and yep. you still use it. Amen. Um, but a, a lot of us, I mean, I use Instagram in ministry a lot. I That is probably what I, what I, it definitely is what I post on the most. On the other end of the spectrum is Snapchat. We got to talk about Snapchat. I literally do not use Snapchat in ministry. You and this used is, to though, right? I, you know, there was a hot second that we had a 2.9 youth Snapchat. And honestly, it circled back to that question that we started with at the top of the show. What's the purpose behind this? And there, I, I couldn't come up with a clear purpose of why we had this, uh, this youth Snapchat channel. It wasn't something that I had the time to keep up with. And so, you know, even though most of our kids are on Snapchat, you know, too much can go wrong on on Snapchat. And it it just wasn't anywhere near worth it. You know, even from a personal standpoint, the only people that I am friends with on Snapchat are family. You know, it's my brother, my sister, my wife's family, and that's it. And, And I think that, you know, this, the weather, Snapchat is, you, you'll find people on both sides of the aisle, but for me personally, there's just too much that can go wrong with Snapchat, whether you are in ministry, whether you are a parent or a student, it's one you definitely need to keep a close eye on. It It is scary. Um, when you think about just the lack of, I mean, you, Snapchat is literally designed for stuff to be gone. Yep. It's literally designed for you to communicate something and for their proof to just evaporate. Why this was created, I have no idea. <laughs> it's kind of scary when you when you think about it. Like it's there's no accountability. And so especially from a youth ministry standpoint, using it, I think we're both trying to exercise caution and we both do exercise caution, both personally and from a ministry standpoint, because there is no quicker way to kill a ministry than a potential scandal. Yep. Even if it is 100% false, even if you are 100% in the right and you know you didn't do anything, even if it's purely an accusation, it still drags your name and your ministry right through the mud. And so at that point, you have to ask yourself, is the juice worth the squeeze? Are you really getting enough 
dialogue interaction that you couldn't get from a different platform and is it really worth worth that risk and i would venture no but here's what's super interesting i would be curious to know your perspective but i would this this is not pure statistic but i would say a majority i would say probably 90 percent of my youth students utilize snapchat as their primary way to communicate text messaging not nearly as much anymore it's all snap and I was curious about this. I looked up another stat. Derek coming fast with the statistics today. In 2014, the number of users in millions on Snapchat was 57. 57 million users in 2014. 2020, which was last year, 238 million. Yep, that's a lot. Thus far in 2021, we are now, what, two-thirds through-ish? Something like Eight that. out of 12, something like that. We're not math teachers. It's okay. No, we're not. 280 million users on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. So this platform is growing, and I have some reasons why, and I have some ventures as to why. But we have to, I think, so a lot of times we want to just jump on the bandwagon. What's growing? What's trending? Let's get on board with that and meet it there. And I just think... It is just so imperative to go back to what is the purpose. If you are trying to communicate with your students, I there are so many better ways and so many safer ways to do it. There, you, know, we, you and I have actually successfully communicated with most of our Snapchat. students, if, if not all of our students. Yeah. And we don't use, like, they figure it out. Oh, Derek doesn't have Snapchat? Okay, I'll text him. Yep. Or send him a letter. Yeah, mail works, right? Oh, why not? We could also pull out the um, Morse code. We could do all kinds of carrier good stuff. Pigeons. Carrier pigeons. Amen. But yeah, I think I think we should dive into parents on this standpoint. Yep, for sure. Because so many parents are divided on this particular app, and for good reason. Some might not even know that their kids have it. And if mm-hmm. you don't, I think it's important that you ask I am so hesitant to tell parents what to do anytime because like, I'm a parent. And so whenever someone comes and says, Hey, you should do this. Like, I kind of want to hit you in the face. Like, sure. I'm going to parent the way I want to parent. Well, as somebody who's not a parent, let me tell you how to do it. Perfect. Um, first of all, I think that parents sometimes need to be reminded that you are the parent and they are the kid. You pay the bill you know, on that phone, you are in control. And it's, it's not a bad thing to have ground rules with your kids, especially with technology. It's not a bad, inherently bad thing to set up some boundaries of, Hey, you can't have your phone in your room at night. Or, you know, I, I know parents that, you know, when their, when their kid gets a phone, uh, you know, one of the rules is, Hey, at any moment, I can come and ask for your phone and look through stuff and, you know, you kind of have to let me. And as a student builds trust with their parent, you know, some of those restrictions start to get loosened. But the parent is still, like, you You have to know what's going on with your student, with uh, social media, and... I promise you, your kid will never tell you this. 
but I'm going to tell parents this right now. They are not missing out if they don't have Snapchat. Like, I promise you, it's not the end of their social life. They're not going to crash and burn in middle school or high school if they don't have Snapchat. They're going to be just fine. And in my mind, even for even for youth students and parents, it's just not worth it. Yep. And I know a lot of our students here that are listening, because I'm sure some of them are, are ready to, like, at this point, we probably lost them. Maybe. Maybe. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> some of the ones that are dedicated are still here. Um, the ones that are still dedicated and listening are trying to make sure their parents never listen to this episode. Right. Exactly. And so... I'm going to kind of phrase something to our students or those who are pro Snapchat for a second. Snapchat is not the antichrist. Okay. It, <laughs> it, it, it is not, it is not the worst thing that has ever happened. Like we painted it in a negative light. Plenty. It is not the end. It's not like if your kid's on Snapchat, he's watching or she is watching other things that I'm not going to name. It's not, to that extent. I mean, I know a lot of my students who just genuinely use it as you and I would text back and forth, yep. and that is it, and that Although, is Although, here's the thing, though. I, I've i never really understood that either. Yeah, because why because, not just text? Well, I have had... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call out my sister-in-law here. I have three, so technically not naming anybody. But one of them in particular only communicates over Snapchat, and how many times either my wife or I have sent her something on Snapchat, like asking her a question or commenting on, usually commenting on something. And she will respond hours later with what? Because she oh, saw no. it, she saw it earlier and then, or, or she, she sees our response, but she forgot what she said. Sure. That elicited that response. And then you have to like backtrack in the conversation versus like a regular text message or even like Instagram or Facebook chats. Yep. You can just scroll back and look at what you said. Yeah. No, so it's, I, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I'll, it's, it's, you're right. It's not inherently bad, but even on the communication side, and that's super petty. Like, yeah. I, it, but it's just, it's and here's, funny here's to what me. I would challenge to our students. If there is any potential thing, that could trip you up, that could get you on a path that you don't want to be in. Why even mess with it? Especially with something like this, you can text. It's the same thing. Okay. I'm not asking. It's not like I'm asking you to completely, like like you mentioned, derail your life. Snapchat just scares me because when you're opening it, you have no idea what you're opening. It could be yep. some punk kid who's sending certain pictures or certain things of things you don't want to see or you don't want to interact with and you have no control over it. Not to mention them requesting things that just there, the lack of accountability, this is a universal concept. The lack of accountability that is built into Snapchat is just scary because there is the, the potential for destruction. The potential for bad things is, is sky high and what you're getting out of it is just not, is not worth it. And so I think we've kind of belabored this point enough, but Snapchat from a ministry standpoint, just stay away. There are just so many other things to do. And and as we're seeing, other trends come up that you can jump on, like TikTok. Nice transition. TikTok is kind of the new kid on the block. Um, And I personally think that TikTok can be amazing for youth ministry 
if you do it well. If and you do it that well. That is a big, big if. Um, yeah, and, and that's kind of the theme for all of these, uh, for this whole conversation is if you've got a purpose, you've got a vision and you can do it well, then absolutely go for it. But TikTok, you know, you mentioned some Snapchat statistics, uh, you know, TikTok is on a similar meteoric rise with youth age students. Uh, and, and I've seen some incredibly creative things that youth pastors have done on TikTok. Uh, but I've also seen, you know, I've had kids, some of our youth students come to me with questions because they saw a pastor on TikTok make a video sharing an opinion or or talking about scripture in a way that I would say is most definitely not biblical. And for some reason, you know, TikTok seems to be the platform more than any others where like, <laughs> it's like a theological battleground, which is so bizarre. And I have seen most of it come from the side of progressive Christianity, where uh, you know a lot of these pastors will uh, sandwich a really great theological truth and a really great theological truth, and then they'll throw something in the middle that is not biblical, yep. but they make it sound really good because it's true on either side of it. Correct. And that can be really dangerous, and that's and you know that's possible on every platform. But creating a culture, uh, you know, as a youth pastor, creating a culture with your students where they can come and ask you questions. As a parent, creating a culture with your with your student in your family that they can come and ask you questions. And you know, this is part of you know part of the calling of being a parent is being the spiritual leader of your student, uh, which is a whole nother thing where that we could go into. Oh, yeah. of, uh, you know, as, as youth pastors, like we're, we're not called to be the primary spiritual guide for your student. You know, that's you. Yeah. And, and that's something that is, is hard for parents to hear sometimes. It's scary for parents to hear sometimes. Of course. But because a lot of times they don't know where to start. Hey, come talk to us. We'll, you know, email us how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. We would love to have that conversation with you if you are a parent and you don't know where to go. But when it comes to TikTok and all these other platforms, circling back to a ministry perspective, I think it can be really cool. Yeah. But but you got to have a vision behind it, right? You you certainly do. Along with everything, it goes back to being intentional, right? You you got it. You can't just jump on the bandwagon because everybody else is doing it, because otherwise you just it, it gets lost in the shuffle. You're wasting your time. Like you said, I've seen some really creative things of um, how they're utilizing the trends, how they're how they're because naturally, just like anything else, TikTok operates on trends and patterns, and they just take off. And so, if you can get in there, the ability to communicate information is is through the roof. And so, it's really good that way. But at the same time, I've seen some really, really corny and cheesy things that just are like, man, that is just rough. And I'm not trying to just you know bury somebody who tried their best to to get on there there's there's effort in trying but kids will see right through it and so from a ministry standpoint i've only used tiktok a handful of times to just make an advertisement or do something it's it, it's a really easy way to kind of 
edit videos, I would say. Like yeah. if, you, if you're looking to film a selfie video of yourself and then add in some music behind it with some, you know. You got words popping up on yeah, the screen. Yeah, it's, it's really user-friendly and really good that way. And I've done that a handful of times. But I just, I don't have the creative mindset to really just make something bold and great. And I just, I think if you are like me, it's it's better to just stay away from it. But. And as a and as a youth worker, don't feel like you have to, you know, be on TikTok, let alone have like a youth TikTok correct account just because your students do. You yep. know, have a general idea of what's going on and you know, if you want to incorporate, hey, let's do a, you know, TikTok dance challenge or something, like that's great. But you don't don't feel pressured to have a TikTok or or be on any of these social media platforms just because you you feel like you should. Uh, I I think that like especially Facebook and Instagram, you know, there's a lot of value that can be had there. But when we get into something like TikTok, if you're gonna do it well, that's great. If you like. I go on TikTok just to watch the videos. Yeah. I don't actually create anything myself because yep. there's a lot of funny stuff on TikTok. Yep. And it's 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 great and it's fun to just be able to like rewind and and laugh a little bit, but it doesn't have to be something that you engage in at a high level if you don't want to. As a youth pastor, here's how I utilize TikTok a lot. One, I say this jokingly, but also incredibly serious at the same time. I use it for research. Because it, it, it is the, I would say right now, it would be a battle between Snapchat and TikTok of like what is more prevalent and what is more utilized in a day by students. It's got to be close. Mm-hmm. They're always on TikTok. And why I say for research, because unfortunately, there are some very evil and corrupt people yep. who like to create trends that are horrendous. Um, I found oh, a trend. Yeah, man, a couple I forgot of, about some of these. I there was a trend a few, and, and so parents, especially if you're listening to this, I think this is is it's why I'm, it's important to just know what's going on. A couple of months ago, there was a trend that you go to this random movie on Netflix and do a blind reaction to the first three minutes. Right. Yeah. In like the you, first three, you take a video of you know, yourself. You you hit play on the video on on the movie on Netflix, and then you take a video of yourself watching and it and the video watches you react to what's on netflix and the first three minutes of i'm not gonna get into it not great are not good like not terrible not uh suitable for work content no the, but there's 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 trends of like hey stick a scissors into an outlet like just just stupid things of Eat like a tide pod yes you know just just stupid stupid things of like why is this even a thing but it's out there and so it's good to know it's out there because you need to know one what your students or son or daughter are taking in two if you start to notice like hey there's scratches on my outlet why is that. I have more faith in our students than <laughs> oh that. You gosh. know what I'm saying? But research is definitely a big one. Absolutely. But two, it, it, if you are, are purely in it, I, I can't tell you how many times I have been walking through the lobby on a Wednesday night and I'm walking, in essence, through a TikTok shot that's being happening and they, Derek, come be a part of it with us. Like, And I can't dance. I make a fool of myself. It's all good. It's just a great way to show... Okay, he's not a stick yeah, in the mud. If you're willing to be a part of it, 
they love that. It, it's great rapport. Yep. The, the the students engage with it. They, they dig it. Like their friends kind of get to see, you know, wow, he's not just. Because I feel like a lot of times when people know that we're pastors, find out we work in a church, their mental image is oh, us wearing robes sure. with a collar mm-hmm. and like. That's re- not how you preach on a Wednesday night? Not not every Wednesday. <laughs> Some Wednesdays I, I get the incense burning and wow. you know, we get the hymnals out. But no. But we laugh about it, but that's how people see us. When yeah. they hear we're pastors, that 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 traditional Orthodox Catholic Lutheran, image. that is what comes across. And so when they see a youth pastor who right now I am wearing a T-shirt, jeans, high socks, and a hat, and I would go and preach on a Wednesday night like this, like when they see a youth pastor like dressed like we are and dancing and doing the stuff they're doing, it builds rapport. It builds trust. It shows them like, hey, we're not just here to tell you, you suck, read the Bible. We're here to say like, hey, we're in this thing called life with you. And we want not to just jump into the trends with you, but to navigate this thing with you. And uh, I think there's a lot of value there. Absolutely. Um yeah, and one other comment that I wanted to make going back to Instagram is that you know there's like there's a lot of ways that that we can leverage uh, some of these accounts in ministry. One of the things that I have seen pop up quite a few times is students checking out our youth Instagram page before they come on a Wednesday night yep. to check out our ministry. And, you know, I don't think that that's ever going to happen on Snapchat or TikTok or, you know, and parents might do it on Facebook, but I think that students, uh, you know, if, if you have a social media page that students are proud of and they can share with their friends, I think that that can be, uh, that can be really cool as well. When we were in college, I don't know what, what, what your perspective was, but when I was in college, I obviously had to find a new church because my home church was an hour and a half away. And I'm not going to get up an hour and a half earlier to go to church. Um, you know, but like, let's, we would typically go to a church website and go, I want to see what their beliefs are. I want to see what the pastors are. I want to see what their service, like that's how someone like you yep. and I, or our parents would probably approach looking at a church or a ministry. I would say to your point that students are going to go to a website. No. Like, they're not. They might, but I would say especially if you are doing it right and you have exposure, they're going to stumble onto you because one of your students shared your stuff. And so it's going to be easier for them just to go click, boom, there's your account. Now they're fishing. Mm-hmm. That, I almost I almost equate it to, I was watching Cars with my son this morning. Nice. And and, and the whole thing with Radiator Springs, it was off of the highway by yep. a couple of miles, right? I feel like in some ways, that is how a church website is. They're not they're not just perusing random websites every single day. Instagram, they 100% are. But websites, they're not. And so it's one of those deals, I think, just as you were saying, it's a great way to just get people in there, and it's a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we before we close up here, just I want to touch on real quick, uh, personal social media page from a ministry perspective. Uh, you know, I'll I'll share uh, some of our youth stuff on my own page from time to time. I'll intentionally try to do it. Usually, not right when 
I posted it on the youth page yep. because you know you might be able to catch two different uh, audiences at two different times of the day if I can share the youth post a couple hours after I posted it on that account. Um, but you know, for me personally, there's so much controversy and I don't want to talk very long on this, but there's so much controversy and, and fighting and hating and disagreements on social media, uh, not the place for it. You know, I, I tell people all the time, if you want to have this conversation, we can have this conversation, but it's not going to happen in the Facebook comments. Yeah. Uh, you know, come by my office, you know, let's, let's have a phone call or do something that, uh, that is not in Facebook comments. Uh, I'd love to, you know, we can, I can share my opinion. We can have this conversation, but social media is not the place for that. Something you have said earlier throughout this podcast that I loved is that social media is great for telling a story Mm -hmm. and how I approach my personal social media is it just tells a story of my life. And I try to be very open. I don't just lay out every single thing, good and bad. I don't think that's healthy. But I love what Paul says in the New Testament of imitate me as I imitate Christ. And his whole thing was, I'm going after God as hard as I can. And so if you can't relate to Jesus inherently, like follow me. And that is how I approach my personal social media. Like I have friends in high school. I have I have people that might not know anything about Jesus or about faith, but when they can see what my life looks like and how I serve Jesus, I think it opens a conversation. It opens a door to, oh, it's not just stuff you rules where you needed to go and do this and pay this and you get your way into heaven. It's a real thing I can cling on to. And so that's been my mission ever since is not to look at me and how great my life is. I'm just going to show you all of my highlights. It's a, I want this to be again, intentional of telling a story of mm-hmm. here is my life the good, the bad, the ugly. And my prayer is that Jesus shines through in every single moment. Yeah. If it's going to be a story that you tell, what, what do you want that story to be? What should that story be? Yeah. Uh, if it's, if it's going to be all about me, then okay, that's the story you're telling. But if there's a way that I can glorify God, uh, through what I post on social media, then I think that's a big win. Yeah. Huge win. Absolutely. Well, hey, that does it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. A reminder, follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe so that you get the notifications each week when a new episode drops. And if if you ever have an idea or a comment or questions, please send us uh, some feedback, whatever it is. We have an email at hownottobeayouthpastor at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to connect with you and just really get the content out to you that you want to hear because... Uh, We do nothing on the work week anyway, right, Kyle? That's absolutely true. All right, I've got to go find a way to stick a scissors into a wall outlet. Goodbye. Goodbye.